Ugh. Failure. What a word. It is a word I hear only too often from my clients and it is something that I have struggled with much of my life. And when it comes to working motherhood, it rears its head, this word failure, a lot. In the frantic race to get children to school and then screaming into the morning meeting at work, hair flying everywhere, skirt askew, feeling a bit like somebody dragged you through a bush backwards, getting home at the end of the day, taking something out of the freezer quickly to defrost because you forgot to in the morning, shouting at the children to get ready for bed, thinking about that deadline that you missed and on and on and on. Today we are talking about failure, about feeling like we are failing and about how we can shift out of this so that we can feel like we are more in control and so that we can actually be more in control. So let's get into it and let's look at what we can do to manage this feeling, the sense of failure. Are you feeling overrun and wrung out by the juggle of being a working mum? Do you just wish that you could be calmer and more patient at work and when you come home to your family, but there are so many things that need to be done and there are so many expectations on you? Do you wish you just had the space and the time and the capacity to be able to make choices that you know would leave you feeling healthier and happier, but you just don't have any wiggle room? Welcome to the Managing Mum podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte, a working mum of two with a very busy, very active life. As a qualified personal trainer and a well-being coach, and as a mum who has felt all of these things, my aim is to help you learn how to manage the juggle so that you can feel healthier and happier and lighter, and you can build great relationships at work and at home, and so that you can move closer to that ever-elusive work-life balance. While I may well offer suggestions such as taking a bubble bath, I'm also going to help you figure out how to do it without feeling guilty. So run that bath, tie up your mum bun, and lock the bathroom door. We're learning how to juggle. Failure may not necessarily look like that situation that I described earlier, Failure might simply be that you are five kgs overweight and you just can't stop eating all the pastries in the work canteen. Or it might be that your boss is constantly irritated with you. Or it might be that you hate your job but you just can't move out of it. Failure comes in many, many different guises and I really believe that failure is different for each one of us. But I do think that we all feel it at one point or another, or possibly more often than that. It is something that we need to work through so that we can shift out of it, so that we can feel more confident, so that we can feel more in control. When I think about failure when it comes to my life, I immediately think about the people whose expectations I haven't met, or more to the point, who my perceived expectations of those people that I haven't met. And when I was thinking about what actually is failure and looking up what actually is failure, 
I found this great definition of failure being unsuccessful in achieving one's goal. And I thought that this was such an apt definition. And yes, there are many other definitions. This one particular struck me because it was around achieving one's goal, around our own goal. And I was thinking about who do we measure that goal up against? Or what goal are we measuring ourselves up against? Do we even know what the goal is that we're measuring ourselves against? And I think that part of the issue around failure is not so much that we are failing, actually, but that we have a fear of failing. I see clients often who are holding it all together, who really are doing a good job. They're trying to hold it all together, but somewhere something is giving and they are overweight or they are exhausted, or they are angry, they're frustrated, they're impatient, they're not performing in some area of their lives. And actually, they are creating the very thing that they are afraid of, the the thing that they are trying to run away from, which is that, that concept of failure. So I was wondering, what is it about failure that is so scary for us? If we look at failure using the definition that I have offered, that definition of being unsuccessful in achieving one's goal, I really believe that the fear is less about the failure itself, but actually more about whatever happens on the other side of that failure or of our perceived failure. So what could be on the other side of that failure? It could be the thoughts of failure that come when we don't meet a particular goal. It could be our ideas about ourselves if we don't meet that goal. It could be reprimanding from others. It could be that our children tell us something, reprimand us in some way, our boss reprimands us, our parents, our spouse, something external, some kind of um, confirmation of our failure that we're a bit scared of. It might be our perceived disappointment of the people whose expectations we might be trying to meet, whether that be our children or our boss or our parents or our spouse It might be not getting to where we want to get to or not being who we want to be. Our fear of these things can actually sometimes stop us from even stepping out and trying to achieve those goals we've set for ourselves. We might find that we don't do something that we want to. We don't run a marathon or we don't go for that promotion We don't try to lose weight simply for the fear that we just won't meet the mark that we have set up for ourselves. Or we might think that we are a failure because we haven't met the mark that we've set up for ourselves. So there are these two elements around failure and around feeling like we're failing. And I think that's so interesting. Feeling like we're failing or feeling like a failure 
what does it actually feel like to feel like we're failing? We're so caught up in our heads. I often say to a client, what does it feel like to feel like you're failing? And they say, it feels like I haven't done it enough. It feels like I'm not good enough. It feels like this person's cross with me. But actually, those are our thoughts. I'm interested to, to know from a client, what does it feel like, or from you, what does it feel like in your body when you feel like you're failing? Or what feeling are you scared of feeling so you don't put yourself in the position that you could fail? And then there's the other side to it. What feeling do you want to feel instead? What feeling do you long for that kind of is the opposite of failure? And what would you need to do in order to feel that feeling? If we do have a goal that we are working towards and we aren't meeting the mark and we feel like a failure, I actually think we're probably feeling something more like disappointment, perhaps, or perhaps a sadness. It's our thoughts about ourselves that come with not meeting that mark that then cause those particular feelings. So those feelings of disappointment, those feelings of stress, perhaps those feelings of shame or embarrassment. And actually those things that we are scared of feeling, should we fail if we haven't quite stepped out yet to try. So when we feel like we're failing, we're actually feeling these things. And we're feeling these things because we're not meeting the mark that we set out for ourselves. One of the questions I would have you ask is, what is important about that standard, that goal that I have set for myself that I'm not meeting? Is it important? Is it a necessary standard to meet? Or am I actually doing enough? Are my children loved? Are they cared for? Are they provided for? Have they got my attention when I can give it? Am I doing the best that I can at my job? Am I meeting my goals at work and at home? So today I wanted to offer some practical suggestions that might get us to feeling less disappointment, less shame, less sadness around not necessarily meeting the mark or around thinking that we're not meeting the mark. The first step of this actually is to set realistic goals of where you want to be as a working mum, both at work and at home. What are your aspirations at work, realistically? And what kind of mum do you want to be? And also in this space, look at what you do well. So when you're thinking about realistic goals, is it realistic to say that you're going to do a craft? For, for me, it's not realistic for me to say that I'm going to do a craft activity once a week with my children. I'm not a crafty mum, and it's not something that I am going to do once a week. So why set myself that goal? But there are other things that I am good at, that I can set a realistic goal around, that a goal that I can actually achieve and meet. And so in this step, set those goals. Set those realistic goals that make you feel happy, that make you feel alive, those goals at work and at home. And then celebrate when you achieve a small step towards them. Celebrate the small things. I really think this is so important 
we cannot get to the top of the mountain. We cannot reach the kind of pinnacle in one fell swoop. It takes small incremental steps, one step at a time. And I really think that on the way to meeting those bigger goals, it's, it's vitally important to actually stop, to look around, to be proud of what you have achieved. Take a moment when you're setting these goals to think about what have you done as a mum? What have you done as a manager or an employee, as a wife? What are you doing that is really great and that is taking you closer to that bigger goal of what you want to be as a mum, as a working woman? The second, second tip or step is to have clear boundaries between work and home. I mean, <laughs> this is easier said than done. There will be a future episode coming out on boundaries because I know that boundaries are incredibly hard for us. But when we don't have these, it's really hard for us to be present in either place. It's hard for us to be present at work if we don't have the boundaries between home and work. And then at home, if we're thinking about what we should be doing at work. When we don't have these clear boundaries, we can feel like I'm just not winning anywhere. I'm just all over the place. I should be here. I should be. That word should comes up so much when we don't have clear, confident, strong boundaries between work and home. So yes, look out for the upcoming episode on boundaries and that might help with the second step. The third is don't fail to ask for help. I know only too well the difficulty of asking for help. I mean, why, oh why, we find it so hard to ask for help, I'm not sure. But if we don't ask for help, we will end up failing. We, we might feel like a failure if we ask for help. And this is something that we can unpick and, and perhaps there'll be a future episode on that too. But look at yourself with curiosity. Get to know why asking for help feels like it's failing is it, again, here, yeah, your standard or someone else's standard that you are holding yourself up again that it's hard to ask for help? Practice. Here again, start small. Ask for help with the small things. Ask your husband to take something out of the freezer for supper or to think about what you're having for supper tonight. Or ask your mum to do a school run or ask another mum for help. Ask a colleague for help. We are so geared towards trying to do it all ourselves and it's okay not to be able to do it all ourselves. Number four, communicate with your boss and with your spouse. Communication is absolutely vital. Nobody is a mind reader Neither your boss nor your spouse knows what is happening in the other areas of your life. So if we don't communicate, they don't know how they can support you better. My wonderful go-to, Brene Brown, talks specifically about how at the end of the day, well, I think they possibly use it whenever, but something that one can do, a great tactic to communicate is around what percentage they have to be able to manage what's going on. For instance, in the evening routine, what bandwidth, what capacity do they have? 
So, as I say, when they get home at night, they might check in with each other. What level of energy, what capacity are they? They need to be able to add up to 100% to be able to manage the night well. So if she, for instance, gets home and she says, I'm at a 20% and he says, no problem. I can handle the 80% that you don't have. If he says, I'm at a 15%, she's got 85%, then they're good to go. But if they are both at 20, 25%, they're not adding up to that full 100%. They need to talk about how they can support each other in the evening routine with the children, with supper, with what needs to get done so that they don't crumble under the pressure of the day and then fail at that evening routine, fail at parenting, fail at supporting each other, fail at spousing. I don't know if that's a real word. <laughs> and I just love this approach. It allows us to to really lean on each other a little bit more, to have compassion for each other, to have an understanding of where we are and then an understanding of our spouse and then to have a plan for how to manage the current situation based on where we are. This is something that you could potentially do in your workplace as well. If you share work with a colleague and you arrive one morning and you can say, check in, I'm at uh, 15%, I need your help. And they can say, no problem, I've got this. Or look, we're both both struggling here at a 23%. (laughs) What are we going to do about it? So that you're communicating the whole time to each other what's going on for each other. Number five, create systems. I am the queen of lists. I have lists everywhere. I have to actually keep going through my laptop bag and chucking out lists of all the things that I needed to do weeks ago. I mean, this should potentially come under point one because it relates. But put systems in place that are going to help you to reach those realistic goals that you have outlined for yourself in that that first step. What needs to be in place at home to make sure that you are as calm as you can be, as prepared for the evening run, for the mornings when you've got to get everybody ready for school? Do you need to meal prep the week before? Not necessarily cooking stuff, but planning what you're going to have for supper, planning the shop. Do you need to pack the school snack the night before? Then also going back to point four, If you don't just don't have the capacity to pack that school snack, can you delegate it to your partner or can you somehow make it fun? Can you get the children involved? Can you put some music on? Can you listen to the Managing Mum podcast while you're doing it? Just being organized at home and at work can make things so much more streamlined, so much more smooth and less chaotic just creating some order out of the chaos of these things that just do need to be done. For a lot of us, these systems, putting these systems in place just feels so boring. I hate the idea of meal planning the week before, but when I've done it, it has made my week so much easier. When I've packed the school snack the night before, it's made the morning so much easier. Just those few things that can be done beforehand, allow us that space, that little bit of wiggle room. And my last practical tip is just to take some time out. Whether this time is 
to go and see a coach or someone who can give you the space to talk about all of this or it's to go and lie in a lovely bath with the door closed or it's to just walk out of the house, close the door and go for a lovely walk around the block on your own. One of the things that I have learned is that actually nothing will fall apart if I leave for a moment. Everyone at work and at home will survive if I step out of the door for a moment. If you feel too guilty to do this, check out episode five on, around mum guilt and get yourself out of that guilt cycle so that you can give yourself some space to get some perspective around the situation, to be able to look at what you are doing well, to be able to see the the route ahead, to set those goals, to think about where your goals are, what they are, whether they are realistic, and to just realign yourself back onto that path so that you can then come back into the fray and start moving a little bit, perhaps slower, calmer, more patiently towards the goals that you want to meet. So while these six tips are, are or six steps are fairly practical steps, I always reiterate that it is the story in our heads that cause us to believe anything. It's the story in our heads that cause us to believe we are failing or to have a fear of failing. And I think it is really, really important to be compassionate towards ourselves, to just look at ourselves with love and with acceptance and with compassion and to be okay with where we are and then to be able to move out of it. If you are not sure why you are feeling this way or you're so deeply entrenched in this fear of failure or this feeling of failure, you're just unable to actually pull yourself up out of it and see clearly, I really, really believe that it's always worth going to see a coach or a therapist who can help you to unravel things, who can help you to create a point B of where you want to be and who can journey with you to get there, who can guide you out of this feeling, out of the the feelings of disappointment, out of the feelings of shame, out of the feelings of, oh, I'm just not meeting the mark and into a space of deciding what are realistic goals and then being able to move towards them. So yeah, just to wrap up, Using that definition of failure of being unsuccessful in achieving one's goal. So that's my goal. Am I unsuccessful in achieving my goal? Am I really failing? Remembering that there are two types of failure. There's that failure of actually being afraid to try because we're scared of failing. And then there's that feeling like I have failed or I am failing. Get to know yourself. What are the standards you have set? Whose standards are they? Why are they important? And who do I want to be? What do I need to do to get there? Set those goals and then start moving towards them slowly. Looking around every now and again and being proud of what you've achieved. Being excited about the progress that you have made. Really being present in the moment. Feeling the joy of working life, of motherhood, of having this 
crazy, crazy life that you get to live with these glorious little people, with your colleagues, doing things that have an impact and that can make a difference to the world. It is a real honor and a privilege for me to spend this time with you sharing what I have experienced and everything that I have learned. And it can get quite lonely on this side of the mic. So if you have enjoyed this podcast or if you've found anything useful in it, I would so appreciate if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. It really lets me know that I actually am making an impact, which is the best thing for me. And if you know of any other mums that you think might like this podcast, any mums who are managing it all, so basically all of them, please share this podcast with them so that we can build a village of happy, healthy mums. Thank you.